This is Coda Radio, episode 60, for July 29th, 2013. everyone, you're listening to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. We stream this episode live on a Monday morning. This episode's brought to you by GoDaddy.com. I'll tell you more about GoDaddy as the show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is the always excellent, sometimes grumpy, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Oh, go to hell. <laughs> you're not grumpy again, are you? No, no, I'm actually okay. You're all right. You're all right. It was, you know, there was maybe some outages that have affected you. Just a bit. Outages, car accidents. It's, it's been rough. You've, you and I have both had a very busy week. Uh, you've busy had week. Uh, you've had upset clients. Your fiance was in a car accident. Yeah, it's minor, very minor. And uh, I had a baby. Well, my wife had a baby. I kind of at this point now feel like I've had. See, what nobody tells you as a dad is the hard work for you is the minute after the baby's born because then all the stuff falls on your shoulders all the stuff that the wife did which is like way way more stuff than i did now is all my stuff that's the hard part that's hard oh she gets a uh, six-month vacation now isn't that yeah she all oh yes. yeah now she's on easy street now it's all up to me it's all wait something like that i shouldn't complain Yo, too much because she might listen to this episode it's like listening right now <laughs> I would be. In fact, uh, we hopefully have uh, have a pretty fun episode ahead of us. We've got uh, a live stream. We're going right now. And we've got uh, people that are supposedly telling us they're going to call into this week's episode. We'll see where that goes. And it's going to be a hopefully, hopefully a fun back and forth with folks. Uh, Mr. Dominic, is there anything we wanted to cover before we get to the... Yeah, just just a fast bit of feedback. Sure. Um, so Nehemiah and a number of others wrote in or added to the subreddit, which I encourage everyone to look at. Coderadio.reddit.com. Thank you. Uh, that they agree that Canonical should buy System76. This this point you made, uh, I think, resonated with yeah. a lot of folks. Um, that was a big point of the feedback that I saw come in via the inbox and on comments. And I'll tell you, it's kind of a point of my disappointment in yesterday's Linux Action Show is I did mean to bring this up. Like, what if my, – my perspective on this is what if uh, Canonical came out and said, all right, here is the Ubuntu Edge, the most advanced um, – um, Ultrabook ever created. Basically, they took like the Pixel. Maybe they could get the hardware right. for the Pixel or they could get something like the Pixel and made an Ubuntu version of it. That, I think, I mean, I think that would get such a, a strong reaction. And when you put it in that perspective, if they would have done a really amazing computer that was custom built, carved from a solid block of aluminum, instead of a phone, I think, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if they would have needed 32 million. And second of all, I don't know uh, what the response would have been. At this point during the recording, it seems like it slowed down, but that's not that's not too unusual for a campaign to kind of have ups and downs. Yeah, I think we'll have to see if they actually fund that campaign. Um, I'm still skeptical because it is a lot of money. The big point that I realized um, is, and I wonder how it would apply to guys like you. So imagine you had a code journal and it was in the top echelon of mobile apps and the companies were coming to you and saying, Mr. Dominic, We'd love for you to write Code Journal for our mobile platform. If Canonical gets to that 32 million, they have a guaranteed 40,000 devices sold. They have a guaranteed enthusiastic community. They can demonstrate to developers that it might be worth their time 
porting that application, since really it's only QML and HTML5, right? It might be worth their time to port that application. But it seems like if this campaign fails, that conversation, the leverage in that conversation is completely removed, right? That, there's a completely different conversation when this campaign fails than if this campaign succeeds when talking to app developers. Yeah, I think um, if this campaign fails, it's it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to hurt a lot. Yes. People might say that we're being, uh, I don't know, curmudgeons. I disagree. I disagree. I think we're just, I think we just have good business sense. See how I'm resisting hitting the sounds? I'm trying, trying. Trying. You're trying so hard. All right. So should we get to a little intro to the call-ins? And then I was thinking we could do the ad when there's a lull on the calls. Oh, yeah. Which will probably be after the first call. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, after the first call. (laughs) Now, you wanted to lay some ground rules, right? Yeah. So we, you know, the call-in episodes always get a lot of feedback and 50% of it's super positive and the rest is super negative. Um, and just as a, an experiment, I'd like to, and I wrote a blog post about this, let's limit it to one call per person. Um, try not to make your call a commercial for whatever your app or company is because we got a lot of complaints about that. See, and I, I kind of want to walk the line on that one because I... Yeah, I, that I, one I'm a little... I kind of like to hear what people in our audience are working on. You know, so it's not like I don't want them to mention it. It's just don't call in only to plug, right? Like, don't make it a commercial. I think that's what it is. And if you have, like, four apps, maybe <laughs> pick one, right? Or pick two. Don't, don't go. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if you have a specific, if you want to talk about a technical question, let's try to keep it. First of all, you're not going to get a great answer on a call-in show anyway. So let's kind of keep it nice and broad, right? Um, rather than. Fair. Yeah. You know, being super specific. Yeah. Other than that, I say let's give it a go. Do we have a guy? We have a guy. The first guy on the line is the guy. Hey, the guy. Welcome to Coda Radio. Hi, Chris and Dominic M. Hello, hi, sir. Good to be here. I'm really excited. Well, thanks for calling. What's on your mind today? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, just talking about the Ubuntu Edge and are they going to succeed? I read this interesting article. Let me paste it to the uh, uh, IRC. Sure. That thing. Uh, but basically, it's talking about how one thing that Canonical might be doing with the Ubuntu Edge campaign is, even if they don't succeed in raising $32 million, their ultimate goal is just to draw attention and show carriers that, you know, hey, people want this. I mean, in a week, they've raised like $7 million. Mm-hmm. That's a good indicator that there's potential. I mean, it's a record breaker on Indiegogo, but w- well, what do you think it says when it fails, or if it fails? If it fails, what's that conversation yeah, it, it like? It fails, but it's still. I mean, how many people will have donated anyways? I mean, yeah. maybe not thirty-two million in a month, but I mean, I, honestly, I picture myself trying to talk to Michael and trying to. I picture myself like as John O'Bacon or somebody from Canonical who's sitting down with Michael on Skype or something, and I'm trying to convince Michael to write Code Journal for Ubuntu. I think my conversation goes a lot smoother if they make their funding. That's true. And it would be really nice if they make their funding because I want one of those. But yeah, one thing to keep in mind is the way they funded it, to, to my knowledge, is that if they don't make the number, they get zero. Right. It's, it's, uh, um, so fixed. it's an all or nothing deal. Yeah. 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 yeah that's um, true. And in terms of the carriers, $32 million isn't that significant, right? No, I mean, 40,000 devices uh, in most cases would be considered a failure of, of, right. uh, of a device launch. But uh, I think the point, though, is. Not so much to make a statement with the number of sales, but to make a statement with um, the actual the hardware, the hardware and the yeah. effort behind it. And also to demonstrate. <clears throat> so what we've seen so far from Ubuntu 
is we've seen it on older devices, right? The older Nexus series devices. We've seen it kind of slow. We've seen it kind of as a secondary sideloaded OS that was kind of hacked on. What this does is this changes it to a premier platform with a, you know, unique, specifically designed phone that might actually just have some buzz around it because of its design. Um, and, you know, running the Ubuntu OS, it sort of makes it a little more legitimate, I think. It's like this great demo piece to take in with the carriers. Yeah, I mean, if they could get it to where they could say, look, Verizon, we'll let you do anything you want to our platform, and you can show it off <laughs> spec for spec against the iPhone, right. which all the carriers hate with a passion, uh, <laughs> that would be awesome. Now, I just, I, I, I feel that $32 million was too ambitious, and I think it's, you know, Chris is worried about getting proprietary developers on Ubuntu, and I don't think install base is fine. I mean, people have been developing on Mac and, to a lesser degree, Linux proprietary software for a long time with dismal install numbers. But the fact that Canonical's track record with the store and the payment processing bit is terrible, that's going to be where the negativity is going to come in. And, you know, in your scenario, Chris, where you said if John O'Bacon called me tomorrow, I wouldn't ask him about install base. I said, so... How long does it take me to get my money? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so yeah. I, I mean, I, don't, I I know we have Canonical employees that listen to this show, so I hate to sit here and dog on Canonical, but let's talk about if they do succeed. Let's talk about their track record here. They have a yeah, they have um, um, really so far not demonstrated a methodology to generating a solid, sustainable revenue stream. Uh, they really have not executed fully on any particular area that they have fully implemented. Uh, prime example: the App Store is um, really sort of, the it was, it's interesting, it was one of the first app stores, and it has now since become the worst app store experience. Uh, pretty much universally. I really actually couldn't tell you a worse app store experience than the canonical Ubuntu Software Center. And it's it's really too bad. And you do have to kind of question that. Now, I think some of that is too much technical debt. Let's hit the reset button. Let's start with a mobile platform where it's more minimal, where we have a, a narrower set of things we have to achieve and pull off correctly a narrower set of things we have to support and an easier execution channel. And let's focus on that and then build it from there. And I think that's what kind of what they're doing here is they're hitting reboot on the whole platform. Well, I guess we'll see how that works out for them. Well, and you know, you're right, the guy it's, and let me ask you this, the guy is how, how appealing is the convergence factor of this device for you? The fact that it turns into a desktop, is this, is this factoring into your excitement for it at all? Or is that secondary? Honestly, like, when I first heard about it, I was thinking something along the lines of Windows 8, which I hate with a passion. But I, when I saw that video of the guy that, like, he plugs it into a TV or whatever, and suddenly he has the full desktop, honestly, yeah, I, I could go for that. Uh, yeah. I, I think... Yeah. I mean, not it, as your main device, not as your main, most powerful computing device, right? But as, sure. I mean, maybe instead of a tablet. Yeah, I, I would I would probably go for that instead of a tablet. Especially uh, if they could access the same data and use the same information, so that way when I have it in phone mode, every text message is the same text message that I have it in, in converged mode, uh, so I can still get full advantage of it in my pocket. I, I mean, I and you know, Marcus said in the second and third iterations they'd like to introduce wireless display and wireless charging and Bluetooth keyboard and mouse. So then you're talking about a future where you walk in, you sit down at your desk, you set your phone down on your desk, and it becomes a computer. And, you know, that stuff I think we've all thought about in sci-fi and, like, you know, way out in the future. But this could be in the next three years that we see this. And I love that idea. Even if I don't know if all of the all of the bits are in the right place and all of the people are the right people, I think that idea is worth somebody trying. Certainly. And 
you know, if they try and they fail, well, as Matt says on the Linux Action Show, who cares? You know, we'll use something else. So, oh, so that's that's the problem. Their partners are going to care. Ah, uh, well, that's so. True. If, if if you're a hardware partner and you see this, if it fails badly, mm. uh, that's that's not good. That's mm. frightening. Mm. So you said you had another thing. What was that? Well, the other thing uh, is more of a programming question. So I've been programming for several years, um, and I, I'd like to get started writing bigger apps, like graphical apps. I'd love them to be cross-platform. I mean, my main computer is a Linux machine, and I can't stand Windows anyways. Uh, what toolkits or languages would you all recommend for quickly setting up a graphical user interface? Do, I mean, so what platform are you interested in targeting? Um, primarily Linux, uh, like my main computers run Ubuntu, uh, Debian, Arch. I mean, I would love it to be cross-platform. I, I see Qt in the chat. Yeah. Now that's, uh, let's see, Qt is like based on C++, right? And well, you Q- could also go, more recently, you could use a Qt, QML, uh, HTML, and JavaScript. Oh, you for, can use that for? Yeah, you can. All right. It's a little and, less mature, but it's very popular with the Linux set. And it's probably just going to get more so. Yeah. And what kind of tools do you need to do that? I mean, is there a specific uh, wrapper or something that you need to use or what? Well, Qt Creator, so Qt is kind of like a uh, bundled IDE, right? They give you everything in it. Mm-hmm. There may be a licensing concern. Hmm. I don't know how far that goes into the uh, into the QML side of things. Hmm. I know on the C++ side, which is where I've generally used Qt, and good point. So QML and HTML are two separate things. There's different ways to use Qt. Um, the way I've generally used it is in C++, and there is a licensing concern there, where you can't technically distribute a commercial app without paying a license. Hmm. Uh, and it's a funny license, and I'm not even sure how it works. And I don't remember if that maybe has gone away. I kind of... Don't I'm like, not sure. The client I was using it for just paid the license because they weren't sure. Mm. And it was easier to throw money at the problem. You know, <laughs> That's the kind of client I want. Can I have it. that client? Yeah. <laughs> well, the license isn't very expensive. I got a few things I can throw money at. Yeah. Huh. Um, really, if you're targeting Linux, Qt is the right now the, the popular stack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, in terms of being cross-platform... <clears throat> Things get a little weirder, right? Because GTK on Mac and Windows works a little, but it's not great. Um, mm-hmm. Some people at Snake Doc recommends JavaFX. I've evaluated it. It's okay. Yeah, we did an um, episode on it a, a while ago. Yeah, it's not terrible. It, it's it's. I almost wrote something in JavaFX, but I ended up going with Qt. Yeah. Ultimately, heard- it's up to what is your app doing other than the UI? What is it actually? I mean, you don't have to say, but you have to think about. Yeah. What language, what platform is more appropriate? Because there's more to think about than just the user interface, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's intense, you might want to write it in C++. If it's not, and you're familiar with Java, then JavaFX is a fine choice. Um, you know, just don't go with like Java Swing, right? Don't do anything crazy. <laughs> now, wait a minute. From previous episodes, I'd kind of gotten the vibe that people in the chat room kind of hated Java. Is JavaFX different from that, or is it... I mean, it seems like a lot of people are talking about... Okay, so there are a lot of people who don't like Java, yes. (laughs) JavaFX is not... Well, it's its own... That's a 
a simple question with a complicated answer. JavaFX is based on the Java language, and you, you're, for all intents and purposes, writing Java. Um, okay. But it is its own thing. You have to download its own SDK from Oracle. It even has its own um, GUI tool and own creation stuff. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so it, it's... it's it, You should look into it. If you know the Java language, it's not going to be hard for you to get into. But again, if your problem is... If the application that you're trying to build is something you think you can build in Java, then go for it. Hmm. All right. Well, well, thank you very much. All that's right, thanks. Food for thought. No the, problem. The guy, thanks for being our first caller on episode 60 of Coda Radio. And we have a flash update. Apparently, it is now part of the JDK. Well, there you go. So even more enticing. All right, the guy. Thanks very much for calling, and we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, there you go. Now the Skype line is open if anybody else would like to call into the uh, Coder Radio program. You know, it's interesting to see some of these topics of sort of come back up as people join the show, right? Java FX. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, we covered it. It must have been almost a year ago, and it was so. its own separate binary that you installed, right? Do you remember what, what brought you into looking for that? It was like you were trying to solve a particular problem, and I can't, was something I had, had disappointed you, hadn't it? And you so you tried it Java. Was, it was Mono that had disappointed me. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember now. <laughs> and then I also had a client who needed some cross-platform software written, and at the time, it wasn't the tool to go with. Uh, but it definitely it was better than mono. Yeah, and Snake Doc, a consistent Java fan, is telling us it's been updated since last year. So okay, which I would hope. I was just looking to see what episode that was to try to recommend folks to go check it. Coda Radio Java FX. We did. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting that the guy mentioned all the Java hate because I've actually been fairly positive on Java. I mean, I like Java Play. Yeah, it it comes yeah. through though, because you know we read comments, and uh, I don't know. It looks like maybe it was episode was it episode forty eight of Coda Radio? Uh, let's see here. Was it that's recently? Um, no, but it looks like uh, uh, it looks like that was the last episode we took live calls. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of funny that I came across that. No, we talked about it in that episode though. It seems to, it seems to come up when people call in. There you go. People are interested. It's a it's the will of the people. The way of the people. Well, we don't have anybody else. See, this always happens is nobody else wants to call. And we have, uh, uh, let's see, we have um, about about 300 and something people watching live. Well, well XCOM call. is calling my name. Okay. All right. We'll just go play video games then while nobody else calls in. I mean, I could talk about a really boring topic like the fact that I've been trying to balance work and life in a new way recently and i'll tell you i love when we talk about that stuff it's very exhausting it's very exhausting and now it makes me feel like i want to take a vacation after after i get through all of this i feel like i'm that's why i need a lackey i i need to hire some zane zane is going to call in and tell us about his horrible boss Ooh, maybe that'll make me feel better he's got an internship with this guy who's an absolute dick i think that might make me feel a little better because right now i'm kind of wishing i worked an eight to five and i could just take two weeks off and and uh just well it's funny i had all those complaints about the apple being down and then laura calls me says i just got in a car wreck i know right? and i just turned off my my work phone turned off the email and i said fuck it i don't care yeah it it changes I, i stopped caring instantly it changes the it changes the perspective yeah that's how i felt right after the baby was born too and uh uh, it's like, oh, yeah, so what if my inbox has got, you know, it's going crazy. All right, Zane is on the line. And uh, hey, Zane, welcome to Coda Radio. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you sound great. So, okay. So tell awesome. me, you've been interning and you have a horrible boss? Well, I mean, he's he's kind of a slave driver, but I do what I can. <laughs> I try to survive. Okay. What can <laughs> you make that can, dollar. What, what, uh, what kind of intern is it? Can you give us details without getting in trouble? 
Is it a is it a development internship? Is it like a are you are you sweeping floors? What kind of internship is it? Well, it's one of those uh, fancy new jobs where uh, we work with computers. Oh, th- these things are new, and I think they're going to be big. You know, I bet he has you working on Azure. I, uh, I wouldn't be shocked. Are you working at uh, Microsoft, Zane? Uh, can't say. I can't, can't say. Can't say that I. Wait a minute. Am. Are you in Washington? Are you just say that? Are you in Washington? I am not in Washington. Okay, all right. So it might not be Microsoft, or it's possible. It's possible Microsoft has offices outside of Washington, but that can't be confirmed. That cannot be confirmed. So tell, tell us a little bit about, uh, give us an example of what's going on. In the internship? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm um, curious about this. I guess we are secretly working on Azure, and I've got to say as someone who... I don't know if you've experienced this, but in the Linux community, the idea of running Windows on a server is just, that's uh, blasphemy. It does seem a little silly. I'm going to bail Zane out real quick because the chat room's going nuts. He does not work for Microsoft. He works for my company. (laughs) Oh, okay. We're having having some fun. We're having having some fun. fun, But I'm I'm noticing the the room go a little nuts. (laughs) Carry on. Yeah, not even Microsoft wants to come where I live, so. No, no. So yeah. Carry on. So Azure, and it has been um, what? Have you been that, getting pushback from community? Is that what the problem has been? Uh, no, I just heard a lot of bad things about it, and then I tried it, and Azure and the entire Microsoft stack is actually pretty nice. Mm. And I am probably not very well liked for saying that. But oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know that's a funny thing, right? Well, it's kind of like. Um, you know, but I take Active Directory. There's something that Microsoft does that is actually pretty, pretty interesting, and it's actually yeah. done pretty well. And Active Directory is pretty unmatched in the open source world. And uh, I know I'll admit that they, they they don't necessarily do everything wrong. What happens sometimes in Microsoft's land is <clears throat> it's sort of like Apple. Only, see, Apple, it's everybody can recognize it because it's so obvious. Apple, there is it's a it's a there's a playground. You can play in that playground, and you don't go outside the lines. Microsoft, mm-hmm. it's actually the same thing. There's a playground, and it's a much larger. I mean, it's it. The playground is so big, it almost it almost looks like the entire market. It almost looks that big. You yeah. almost it's you just can't see anything else. And you can play in this playground for a very, very, very long time. But eventually, when you go outside the boundaries of that playground, you really, really run into difficulty. Now, sometimes people never do that, and if you have a particular task that never does that, it's generally it works fine. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, there's some really nice swings on that playground. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, the stack is uh, it's actually been really nice and fun to play with. Um, yeah. Haven't we had conversations on this show, though, about how sometimes some of this magic automation is just spelling trouble down the road? Yes, and I feel that, and I understand that, and that has happened. Oh, really? Yeah, there's been some minor troubles with the uh, magic. magical settings. Like what? Uh, so some of the default security settings are a little questionable. Are they amped up or too low? They're amped up in weird places and too low in others. For <laughs> Azure. Yeah, okay. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so you, yeah you have to append certain types of, um, I guess you'd call it keywords to, to calls on the server side, or else it's just going to block them. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's in other cases, the way they the wanted to do database access dimension. is frightening. Oh, really? Sorry, yeah. RMS cut you off. The oh, database sorry. access. Yeah. Well, okay, you guys. So let me ask you this. The big, is the big advantage of it is that it's just 
platform as a service is just turn switch platform? Yeah, so it's speed. So the the, the workflow we've been able to come up with is Zane will do uh, his work. I can merge it in on Bitbucket and then actually deploy it to Azure within, let's say, 10 minutes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it is pretty nice. <laughs> so so Zane, let's restore your reputation, though. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your personal project on the Ubuntu Software Center. Oh, yeah. Let's make the Microsoft guys hate me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I put an app on the Ubuntu Software Center. I won't say the name since we don't do oh, that Oh, no, now. it's okay. It's okay. Called Spindle. Okay. Well, I won't say the name, but it does. it's a time tracking app. Um, anyways, I put it on the Software Center. I made a goal to see if I could just make $100 because that was my initial investment. I know I'm a pretty high roller here. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, it didn't make that. And, and how long has it been on the market? Uh, it's been about two months. And has it made $100 in two months? And how much is it? No. Uh, it's two ninety nine. It's their minimum price. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I can't say that I necessarily consider it a failure, seeing that uh, without it, I don't think I'd be in my internship right now. Um, but it's been kind of strange, I guess. Like, it's, I feel, I don't want to like toot my own horn or something like that, but I feel like there are apps that maybe don't look native or don't have the shine that maybe I got on mine, but yet there's not a lot of people doing better than I am. And I feel like that's kind of depressing. And you think they're doing better with maybe a less quality app? No, 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 no. Not even that. It's just, I am sad that I feel like maybe I'm on the higher end of. Oh, apps. I see. It's the opposite. You think you might be actually, Oh really? What gives you that? Impression? I don't, I, well, I'm on the front of the software center. I don't want to be like a, you know, to oh, my own horn, but right, right, they, right. They put me up there, and I just like that's that's really nice. But I feel like placement. There should be, well, no, there should be someone else up there. Like there should be apps better than mine. So, are you saying that you feel the average quality of a, for lack of a better term, native Ubuntu app isn't where it ought to be? Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what I'm. Well, don't you for. think this might be part of the reason why they're hitting reset with and going with Qt and and going with the touch interface? I mean, they're just like they're looking at this stuff and they're going, you know, it's just not where we want it to be, anyways. Yeah, and I think it's pretty good. I mean, the QT stack's really nice. I've started learning it now, and I certainly like it better than the uh, Python and GTK thing they were doing before. I really like that better. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see where they're coming from on that. I mean, you've and got I, good screenshots. You've got good video. You've got a quick, short description. Oh, but you I got music in your video, too. Nice, man. Yeah, but I feel like I should be the minimum. Like, what I have should be barely passable. Like, I don't think my app is fantastic or innovative in any new or crazy way, but it's just an app that I put out there. And I got an email from someone in Canonical to put it up on the front page. And, I mean, that's nice, but I'd feel better if there was someone better than, well, I really. So I, I'm saying this I, I now. I what you're I saying. Like a, I yeah, feel like I what you're saying. I, now, let me ask you a question. Ed, because I need to destroy the rest of your reputation with the Linux folks. Please do. If there was a Mac version of this, do you think it would have done better? Oh, that's that supposition. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, 
the hundred dollars, I'll be brutally honest, fifty of that went to a designer, and if of I was course. making an app, a yeah. Mac app, it, uh, I would need a little higher budget than that. Yeah, more <laughs> like a thousand. Well, yeah. okay, okay. I mean, so. I, I, it seems to me that w- maybe if you looked at it, you, so you're kind of complaining about the sales, but then at the same time you're saying, eh, it's not that great of an app. I mean, what if you made a kick-ass app and it got front page feature? Maybe you would be making some money because it sounds like there is a, a gulf in the market. Of- well, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's not that great of an app. It, it does what it says it does. And it's, you know, I mean, if we, we could go through the software center and most of the apps look like crap compared to it. Mm-hmm. So have you heard of StormCloud? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've heard about that guy's story, right? Um, refresh my memory. Okay, he's been chart topper number one spot for like a couple months running. I don't think he is anymore. But he was number one in top ten and constantly getting re- raving reviews in OMG Ubuntu. And yeah, I think he made a couple hundred dollars. Oh, boy. Actually, that was two guys, but... Well... So what do, you, what do you think this means? Is this, uh, is this, what does this mean? See, I don't know. I don't really know what it means, and I really hate to extrapolate anything out of it, but at least from what I can tell, one, obviously the software center is kind of painful to buy anything from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've almost kind of come into question on myself is um, Ubuntu does occasionally, like once a year, tout their install base, but... Um, how much of that install base is like, I don't know, maybe in a business where buying apps really isn't going to be something you do or right. maybe is in a part of the world where Enterprise PayPal is something you can get a hold of. Right. Af- South Africa, you know, wherever they're deploying. Uh, I guess they just have a – I guess they have a huge install base in China. Yeah, and <laughs> I've actually – looking at Google Analytics and I've even got a couple emails. There's quite a few people in South America that use Ubuntu and they're really cool, giving me awesome feedback. But – I just I'm wondering there's kind of this problem I guess do we necessarily should we aim for money and only target the markets that are going to be prime to buy the apps I mean what's the solution to this because Ubuntu is really targeting those you know the brick nations the up and coming countries like China well, and all that. I mean, am I am I being a, a jackass when I say you know maybe people make more money on the iOS store and the Android stores because you have to spend several hundred dollars just to get one of the devices in the first place. So you obviously have some level of disposable income, so you're more inclined probably to spend money on apps. But if you get Ubuntu, you know that might have been through some sort of grant. That might have been you know Ubuntu is uh-huh. is not that Android and iOS are not worldwide. But they are worldwide in, mu- in in markets that have money, whereas Ubuntu is in markets that has money, and, and Ubuntu is in impoverished nations. I mean, Ubuntu is everywhere. Yeah. It is very much a worldwide store. Then you combine that with the fact that there's worldwide payment systems and worldwide currencies and software that is two ninety nine in the United States is a completely different value in uh, South America, right? So it's it's a much more challenging problem on the Ubuntu platform, I would think. And another thing I think, um, and I even caught myself saying this a couple times to people, uh, when people would u- used to ask me, you know, why would I use Ubuntu? Why would I use Linux? Well, you know, back when I was naive and didn't have anything to gain from it, I would say, oh, well, all the apps are free. Mm. And I think now we're paying for that. Oh. Yeah. That's kind and of I the Android problem as well. Yeah. Oh, that's Most definitely. Most of the apps don't cost a lot of money or are free. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally one thing I hear every time I go in the cell phone store, you know. Yeah. Why would yeah. you buy an Android phone over an iPhone? 
Oh, well, you know, all the apps are free. I have heard that. I, I have so been in the store what, what, that. The other side of that problem becomes, and I know we've been going a little long with Zane, is once a p- prospective client comes to me and says, we want to go mobile, uh, we definitely want to do iP- iPad and iPhone. But uh, we heard we can't sell anything on Android. And unfortunately, the numbers still back that up. Aren't, isn't that changing, though? Isn't it starting to... It's changing, but it's only changing... At the high-end it, devices. And for games, which is a whole other discussion, right? Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, there's actually, not to get off topic, but over the weekend, I was shown a video uh, about a, a guy playing Candy Crush where he spent $480 on accident on his sister, I believe's credit card. <laughs> Quote-unquote accident on his sister's credit card, huh? Well, it, it's, you know, he, he he didn't really know, right? He said it was just a dollar here, a dollar there. Yeah, it is. It can go quick in those apps. And, and it's just a large, a large percentage of the revenue, even in the just taking games as its own category, you know, is coming from that kind of thing. Recharge your plants and plants versus zombies. Or, or buy whatever. more coins so you can get the big yeah. weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, I don't know. I mean, personally, that's one thing I tried to do with my app is, I mean, there's not a lot of way I could do like an in-app purchase thing, but I'd rather just buy something yeah. and have it. Yeah. I agree. Know? Yeah, I agree. Rather than be bled dry. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, but if we could, but then why not, st- why stop there? Why not say I'd rather buy something and own that APK on my, like, drive account? Why, when I buy it, don't I actually physically get a copy of the software? You know, I, know. I mean, you know, I could just, you could keep going, right? You could, it's, it's, it's like a whole new brave world. And part of the problem is, is you guys, the developers are the ones going to get screwed some of the most here because I, as an end user, I'm going to get a lot more crap for free or cheaper than I used to get. So I'm excited about that. And you guys are going to be able to get a target, a lot more users. But the problem is, and I, I think this is the fundamental problem is all of these platform owners. It is kind of in their best interest. If your apps never get all that expensive. Yeah, and there was a uh, oh, I forgot who wrote it. But there was a great article about that. Why you know Apple's willing to even they just came out with Logic Pro ten. Yeah, and they sold it for like one ninety nine or yeah, or something. Because the Wait, sales what? they're going to lose by not allowing upgrades, well paid for by forcing everybody to you know basically perpetually update your app for free. Right, and you know they include like thirty two gigs worth of loops with that purchase, and the reviews yeah. on it are really good. So the other thing they're doing is. They're giving away, which which three years ago would have cost two thousand dollars. They're now giving it for two ninety nine or one ninety nine, whatever it is. And they're saying to the industry, yep. even really really high end production pro level software. We are recording, by the way, this episode right now in a previous version of Logic. Uh, you know, I've got five six tracks going right now, all recording, and it's a very high end piece of production software. And uh, this came with a. Uh, like a multi-thousand dollar suite of software. That's what I paid for it at the time when I bought this for Jupiter Broadcasting. So now that it's available for like one ninety nine or two ninety nine, that's a huge signal to the market. Yeah, basically that's the that's the upper bound of what you can charge now. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, previously I was charging five dollars for an app, and uh, that was quote expensive. And um, you kind of see the same thing happening in the Windows Eight Store. It's funny. Yeah, the Ubuntu I mean, Software the Center stores, has yeah. The Software sad. Center has some some of the higher prices out there. The Ubuntu Software Center. Yeah. Well, I think the issue there is if you can't make it on volume, you're just going to hope a few people buy it at a high price. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's something I saw. I tried to assemble some statistics before I even got started, and 
essentially the highest rated apps now, whether this was just a fluke or whatever, were essentially around $5. Kind of like that's maybe where the developer felt like it's worth a little more than the minimum, but I don't yeah. want to charge too much. And I think, you know, just, just by charging alone, someone makes a personal investment in it. You know, you, I mean, even like, I mean, I think Michael can attest to this, you know, when Code Journal was free, did you say that it was, uh, you know, people just downloaded it without even thinking what it was. I think that was the iOS version. So it's actually still free. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, because I've been delayed. But one problem I'm having, and I think is what you're about to get to, is free users suck, basically. Yeah. Uh, they want everything. And when you tell them no, they're like, well, can you open source it so I can do it? Yeah. So right. that's kind of funny <laughs> I love you mentioned that. I love yeah. it. That's funny you mentioned that. So that's like one reason... I made my app open source is because I really don't care about making money. Like this isn't ever going to be something that pays my rent, but it'd be nice to kind of get that personal relationship with users, maybe get some people who like what I do, hopefully. And, you know, I, I guess I kind of give the option of, you know, you can either buy it or if you're willing to make the time investment to download the code, get it all put together and, you know, move it into your slash opt directory. I guess you can do that. I'm not going to stop you. Um, but at that point, hopefully you're invested enough in the app that you'll, you know, there might be a little something more there. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, and in Code Journal, I mean, to be fair, has also a, a secondary business model that I don't talk about much for specific enterprise users who want a customized version of it. Mm-hmm. So they white label it, right? Uh, and that's a little different. But yeah, I, I, I see that a lot, what you're getting into, is that at some point, if you really aren't making money, just open sourcing it becomes a good portfolio piece. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. Yeah. All right. All right. Zane, let's, any let's, other thoughts? Yeah. We're, I think we, either we milk you for all of your good insights today. Um, yeah. All <laughs> okay. my nice words. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that hard boss, and uh, hopefully that all works out. Let us know when you uh, abandon Azure. Be sure to call back in and okay. let us know what okay. you switch to. <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds good. And, all right, Zane. Um, no, I'm sending him a Microsoft T-shirt <laughs> okay, and, and a thanks. MacBook. All right. Oh, oh, whoa. That's that's a, that's conflicting. All right, Zane. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Chris. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. There you go, folks. The uh, Skype line is now open. Coder.radio. You can call us at one four two five three seven four four eight. Oh, I got cut off. How did that happen? How did the phone number get cut off? Well, anyways, just Skype us at Coder Radio. Uh, that was interesting. You know, it's, it's funny to hear you guys kind of waffle back and forth on the automated infrastructure versus building it yourself and, and all of that. Right. Cause we kind of keep going back and forth on this topic, especially now with NSA stuff. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, I think I've fallen on the side of if I have to go where I totally need to manage it or, or bring on an admin, I just can't afford to do some of the things I want to do. Right. So so I'm just going to have to accept some of the limitations. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. As you kind of hand over aspects of the work, you kind of have to sort of relinquish some of that, don't you? You kind of have to make it something that other people can manage and use as well. Yeah, I mean, the current workflow we're using, it's really simple, right? I mean, he, you know, Zane has Visual Studio up. He, he does some coding, tests it on localhost, send me a pull request, and then I test it. And, you know, we double check each other and then we deploy. That is kind of fancy. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wishing that uh, I'm wishing I'm, I'm picturing myself with a with a helper here, and I'm thinking about the things that I might have to change to more standardized tools. 
if I did want somebody else to be able to pick it up and go forward, because that that, that enters a whole new set of requirements. Well, so we talked about it when we talked about Java Play. One of the reasons I I was so keen on going to C Sharp or Java as opposed to Ruby was, you know, college students generally are taught a language either that is Java or is very similar to Java. Mm, Yeah. Right. So it's something that, I mean, saying it's a little different, but the majority of college students could jump into I want to uh, I want to take a minute here and just remind folks that if you don't have anything to call if you don't have anything to call in about Mr. Dominic and I are going to go play video games. XCOM. XCOM. I just got Planetary Annihilation, which I kickstart backed. Um, it's not actually running on my computer at the moment, but I got it. I downloaded it, so I'm happy about that. I'm a big Steam fanboy these days. I can't wait for the Steam box. We got all this news and all this rumors about the Steam box, and then nothing. We go, oh oh. Though, something worth mentioning because we rode them so hard about it on the show is Microsoft came out and explained their position on independent developer publishing. Yes, I forgot about that. That was big, and it sounds like it's maybe even better than what Sony's talking about. Well, let's not get crazy. All right, oh, you don't so, think so? So you want to go into that? Well, and, I mean, if these if these lackeys aren't going to call in, I guess we might as well. We can, they can just interrupt us, and then we can pick it back up if they do call. Actually, you know what I should do first is what I should. What if I thank, wanted to buy a domain name? I should thank GoDaddy because GoDaddy's yeah. got a great deal, and I don't even know. Like you guys need to jump on this uh, two forty nine deal like uh, while it lasts. Coder two forty nine probably almost out of here. It's the end of the month, so go over to GoDaddy.com while you're checking out, and go use the code Coder two forty nine when you're checking out. You get a dot com for two forty nine. Then you can use GoDaddy's super easy to use redirect services. You log into your control panel after you bought that dot com. Point that at anything you want. You got a big old long ugly Google Plus URL. Point it at that. You got some project that's five levels deep in a domain. You can use this to point it at something real quick and easy. Getting married like Mr. Dominic, and you want to send out invitations with an address on there? Use coder two forty nine. Get a dot com for two dollars and forty nine cents while you can. If this expires, but you still want to get yourself something nice, use our code go thirty two off four when you're over at GoDaddy.com. You'll save thirty two percent off a new product. Thirty two percent, you guys. So just like get yourself an account and go over there and put a whole bunch of stuff in that cart. Go get yourself some hosting. Go get yourself some domains. Go get yourself multiple versions of those domains. You know what I'm talking about. Then use the code go thirty two off four. You'll save thirty two percent and maybe. Maybe if you're the paranoid type like I am, you can use the code FREE5 when you're checking out. FREE5 will get you free private registration for a year with that .com. FREE5! FREE5! Free private registration. So thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. And you guys, go use Coder249 while you can. That's like your own little piece of internet real estate for the craziest, cheapest price ever. $2.49. That's cheaper than uh, Shane's app in the Ubuntu App Store. Think about that. (laughs) And he worked hard on that. So thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. All right, so the Xbone One gets a little bit better of an independent developer picture, doesn't it? Yeah, so, and by a little bit, we mean a lot better. And here's the thing, so maybe we should just state the facts. Uh, Each Xbone One will, after a patch, apparently be a dev kit. That would be, if that's true. Which is incredible. If that's that's not an exaggeration, that is amazing. That is, Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Which makes a lot of sense because it's just a freaking Windows box. Um, the other side is they'll allow self-publishing. Now, a lot of people got very excited about that for that second point. But, you know, Steam also allows self-publishing in a system that's awful and that's called Greenlight. Yeah. yeah. So if it's this weird cacophony, you know, everybody has to vote on each other. So there's some – really, I feel like if it was going to be like the App Store, they would have said so. Oh uh, yeah, they are still being kind of vague. So they say, well, yeah. what they have said is that uh, independent apps, once published, will be right alongside 
full uh, commercial blockbuster titles, and they're not going to be in some, you know, hole in the wall indie store. I don't. Do you, do you think that's true? Do you, I mean, that doesn't sound. I mean, like, am I going to go see Call of Duty and then, um, mine? You know, some. I don't know the next Minecraft next to it. I don't so, think so. The best case scenario is it's like when you open your iPad and browse games. It's true that theoretically, you know, JB Gaming Studios app could be up there in the top 10. But they're still going to favor larger studios, right? I mean, yeah. But that's okay. I mean, I would almost think the larger studios studios wouldn't want them to feature those games right next to their games. But maybe they. Even if that's what they're doing, that would be great. In fact, that would be awesome. The bigger story, regardless, is that dev kit thing, though, isn't it? It's the dev kit bet, yeah. That's kind of... I mean, I expect that to use it as a dev kit, you probably have to dedicate that machine to being a dev kit. Um, Oh, maybe. Hmm. Which isn't terrible. I mean, that's fine. I wonder if this has to do anything with their fancy three operating system setup they have and their virtualizer. If I had to gamble, I would say the indie dev platform is based on the WinRT side of the three operating system. Oh. Right? But I don't know. No one knows. That's that's the problem. They also announced that they're going to do, let self-published games go on the 360 soon, which is really interesting because that's a platform with a huge install base. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... Uh, some of the you know some of these indie games are not quite as resource intensive. They're more maybe platforms, side scroller type games, and they yeah. could work just fine. Oh, we have a caller coming coming in. They'd work just fine on the old Xbox. All right, uh, Mr. Dominic, we've got a Max on the line. Hey, Max, welcome to Coda Radio. Hey, this is Max from Germany. Hey, Max from Germany, welcome. What do you want to talk about, sir? Uh, I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Dominic what he thinks about developing mobile applications with QT. Hmm. Ah, so that is a loaded question because I haven't done that yet. <laughs> I think in terms of alternative platforms, it definitely shows a lot of promise. Um, I, it's a little immature for me yet. I wouldn't really pitch it to anybody unless they were specifically going after a platform that uses QT, so like Ubuntu. What if you wanted to skate mm-hmm. to where you think the puck might be and you think maybe this app's going to be a year in the making or something? Would you maybe then be a little more considerate of it? I certainly wouldn't rule it out. It's one of those situations where it's very new and I haven't fully evaluated it in that particular space. Um, so like right now, I'm also evaluating Xamarin and kind of try and get a feel of what the, you know, what Miguel de Costa and those guys are doing. Uh, and I, you, you make a good point, Max, that I probably should look at QT as well for this. Oh man, I would, I mean, I would bet on QT over Miguel any day. <laughs> I've been burned before. That's true. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Miguel Miguel has burned out on stuff and then just left it in flames on several occasions. Um, and also, it, it's kind of I feel like Zimmerian is this that same old game that they've been trying to do since they were part of Novell. They just each time they're 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 trying to catch up to the current platform de jour every time they're doing it, and they get there right as the platforms change from underneath them, and they hit the reset button. It seems to have been like this perpetual loop that they've been in. And honestly, if I could say any any group of people that I have watched flip flop around and just devastate their reputation in the open source community, it would be Mono and Zamarian. That's just my personal wow. opinion. <laughs> so Max, got anything to add to that, or did he hit that pretty hard? Nah, I'm not a specialist on this topic. Max, what time is it where you're at right now? Uh, about uh, 7. 
in the evening, I guess. Evening. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not so bad. So Coda Radio, Coda Radio is on after dinner for you. Yes. Nice. I well, just had a pizza. <laughs> Fantastic. You guys have pizza in Germany? Wow. That's amazing. It's just like us. Well, thanks for calling yeah. in, Max. It was uh, Italy is just around the corner. Oh, wow. Well, I guess it's probably even better pizza, huh? Now I'm getting hungry. Damn. I know, right? I know. And I want a beer. It's weird. Well, that makes sense, actually. I think it's Max. Well, Max, mm-hmm. anyth- anything else you want to touch on before we let you go? No, that's basically it. All right, sir. Well, thanks for calling. It was good to hear from you from all the way over in Germany. Have a good rest of your evening. Thanks. Bye, buddy. Thank you. All right. Well, that was fun. I love hearing from people outside the country. Um, I love it. I know we have some Australians in the chat room who teased that they were going to call in, but then never actually did it. Well, you know, I, we've talked about the Australians before. It's a prison colony. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. We went right to prison colony. <laughs> they, you really can't. They, you, they you hate it when watch. we do that. They hate it when we do that. They hate that. Watch um, one of them calls in right now. So anyways, any other? did you want to wrap any other final thoughts on the Expo and uh, taking indie developers? You know, I, I don't think there's a – I mean, I think the dev kit thing is is a nice story, and I think it's great. We don't know how the submission process works, so it's a little premature to to start singing their praises. Oh, we just got two calls coming in at once. I took – All uh, from Australia. I took Joel's call. We have a phone guy on the phone calling in too, but he's gonna, he'll have to call right in after Joel gets off the line. Uh, hey, Joel. Welcome to Coda Radio. Hey, it's Joel Leo. Hello. 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 Down under, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, sir? Um, two things, actually. The Ubuntu phone, that Ubuntu Edge, that's actually a bit of a case for me. I like having things in my pocket and having everything with me. Um, currently, I'm using like a little smart book with me. So it's just a little 10-inch screen and I can just have everything with me, but it's so slow. But if I look down at my phone and I want to have everything there. So the Ubuntu Edge kind of feels like something for me. And yeah, I'm, uh, what I'm about- terrified of it for just that reason because I have a bad habit of dropping and or misplacing phones. And if it had all my documents, I think that would be just a uh, disaster. Well, you get the idea. It's all it's all synced to the cloud. True, right? it's all in the cloud. Yeah. Okay. No, I see. I think you can't consider this your only device, though. I mean, what about it's not it's not it's not fast enough, Joel. It can't be your only computer. No, not at all. And I've got an i7 sitting in front of me, and I use it probably ten percent of the time compared to my smaller, slower devices wow. that are more portable. Okay. Okay. So That's fair. I mean, I use my MacBook Air probably for 90% of what I do. Yeah, and I don't use yeah. the desktop when I yeah. need to. I'm on my Bonobo for 95% of everything. and then. So let me ask you, you're, you're a fan of the Edge then. Did you, uh, and you don't have to answer, but did you support it financially? Not yet. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> what would push you over the Edge at this point? Oh, the well, Edge. Oh, know. you see what I did? The Edge. Uh, <laughs> so clever here. <laughs> but what Funny. would? What would make you pull the trigger? Um, if I'm it gets sure, close, um, probably if it gets a bit closer, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Joel. Well, any other thoughts? So number two was Chromecast. What do you think of that, Michael? So I don't have one. Uh, I had a choice to pick up one of the new Google devices, and I went for the new Nexus Seven. So in terms of the Chromecast, I've read the reviews, but I haven't played with one. I like the idea. I mean, anything that can. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I put Joel on hold on actually. You can keep going. That's not very nice. Anything that can get my, you know, most of the content I'm watching is now Netflix or web-based from fine outfits such as Jupiter Broadcasting. Help! So if I can get that onto my nice, I think it's like 42-inch TV, that's awesome. 
And for $35, I and whatever that converts into overseas, I, I think that's fine. Um, what's really interesting is that they have an API that developers can use to, I guess we could call it Chromecast, enable their content. And I think that's kind of cool. So it's not like a partnership play, right? You, you know, Jupiter Broadcasting could add a little button to their player, which they can't because it's not their player. Sorry, Chris. No, I, if it, but if uh, if our devs out there who it, are working on Android apps want to add Chromecast, I'm all right. for that because for, for us, it seems like a great fit. Right, and it seems like for outfits like Jupiter Broadcasting, this solves your problem. You don't need to have a backdoor deal with anybody. You know what I thought was a little interesting is uh, Google was pretty clear in that breakfast that uh, with Sinclair or whatever his name was, Senor, that it runs Chrome, right? Everybody remember that? Everybody it is that? not Android. Yeah, it is, right. it is, it is Chrome. So yeah. this is not and, – and Which is, but actually turns out to be bullcrap. It's just, it's just like a super pared down Linux um, with a single binary executable that runs the whole <laughs> quote-unquote Chrome that experience. Yeah. It, but it's not actually like you've like if you look at the under, underlying operating system compared to like a, a Chromebook, they're not the same. Yeah, but it's, uh, are you trying to suggest that it's Android because it's really no? Not- it's it's it is close. It is it is it is it is Linux running a binary. I would say it's Chrome plus plus, right? It's a specialized Linux kernel that they've optimized. I don't know. It's it's like it's like a, so? it, no. It's like a it's a three X kernel with just out certain things compiled to it. It is. Google is not using the word Linux, even though it is the most pure Linux device they have ever made or shipped. It is Linux, it boots Linux, and then it starts a binary. And then it runs that, that binary serves all of the code, all of the, all of the ports open up. It does all of that. And they're still calling it Chrome OS because they don't want to apparently attach the Linux uh, tag to it for some reason. Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah, I think this point is, uh, I mean, it's obviously a Linux device and it's an interesting device. Um, I don't have one, so I can't speak further on it. Should we take our last caller? All right. Well, thanks, Joel, for calling in, buddy. Yeah, Cheers, I know guys. we're up against the wall here. All right. Yeah. All right. So we got we got uh, one more call here on the line. Uh, caller, are you there? I am. Thanks for holding, sir. Not Whoa. a problem. Whoa. You got birds? What is that in the background? Birds. Yeah. Nice. Well, so what's going yeah. on, man? What's on your mind? What's your name? Well, this is this is uh, Nexus from the chat room. Hello, uh, Nexus. Nexus. Nexus from Texas. <laughs> yeah. So, um. I was just curious because uh, I have an older brother who is really into Microsoft and the whole Microsoft uh, tool chain and everything like that. And he dogs on me because I'm into open source and PHP and things of that nature. And, I mean, he's actually at a VP level. I'm not. Um, but Wait, he's a VP, so he's not actually doing development then. Oh, he he is though. Okay, he is. Uh oh, <laughs> this is getting and, scary. Well, I mean, he, I mean, I, I've seen his uh, his resume before, and I've actually seen all the things that he does, and he is extremely technically um, savvy, and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the Microsoft tools, and people pay him big money when it comes to Microsoft tools. But then when he looks at, you know, what I'm doing, the work with PHP and, you know, open source work, he doesn't see a lot of the value in what I'm doing and tries to say, hey, you know, if you want to make more money, you need to go at least with .NET. I'm like, but... Well, I would say that's I, not true, but... I mean, 
he talk he talks to me about PHP like uh, it's just it's a it's a programming language for people that just want to play around on the internet, basically. So so PHP, I mean, and, and I'm definitely not the person to call to defend PHP, um, has a reputation, right? Whether it's deserved or not, there is a reputation of PHP coders being kind of uh, slapdash, right? And I think a lot of that's become because a lot of people did, back in the day, just copy and paste PHP out of Stack Overflow and other older places. One issue is, are, are you having trouble picking up either clients, or I don't know if you're a full-time uh, developer somewhere. Are you I, having trouble in terms of getting paid? And I'm not really finding a difficult time finding yeah. work or anything like that. It's just that whenever I talk to people that uh, that know at least a little bit about you know programming and things of that nature – and even to a certain extent, you know, from what I hear from you, it's I, I get the sense that the the mindset is PHP is not a mature language, even though at least as of uh, more recent iterations of PHP, you have you know actual uh, classes and um, objects that you can right. use, and you have things like Composer now, which you can actually which makes things you know, world's easier for, you know, not having to have copy-pasted code. Right. So I, I think your problem, and it's one that I've experienced, and I guess I could do it by example. You know, I have some clients who are in New Jersey and are, for lack of a better term, enterprises, right? Mm-hmm. And if you pitch to them anything that doesn't equal .NET for a backend, they'll simply laugh you out of the room. Now, I have another set of clients who are startups, uh, usually based in New York has a an area called Silicon Alley, right? It's like they're trying to be Silicon Valley. Yeah. If you pitch .NET to them, you'll be laughed out of the room. And if you're not pitching Python or Ruby, you'll also be sent out of the room. There is, however, definitely a group of developers I know who do PHP, but a lot of it's about knowing who you're talking to, right? So a large enterprise... Is probably a Java or a .NET shop, and, and going in there, and it's probably not PHP specific. Going in there with Ruby wouldn't go well either. Um, and the other way around, a startup is almost certainly not going to be a .NET shop because they they don't want to pay the licensing fee. Yeah. So a lot, and, and there might be a geographical component. I don't know what the dev scene is like in Texas or in your particular part of Texas. Maybe there isn't a strong PHP community. Well, from what I've seen, just with just yeah. looking around, because about three, four months ago, I actually um, switched jobs, and there is a pretty good uh, PHP market in this area, uh, and really pretty much any language that you want. Okay, there is a job for it in this area. I'm in the Dallas area. Okay, so your your problem is your your brother is giving you a hard time about it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you're not really feeling any kind of you know financial or professional backlash, I mean, I say let history be the judge. That's yeah, what I say. I mean, I don't think PHP is going anywhere. I happen to not prefer it. Now, uh, Mr. Dominic, I think we should we should we have one person who's been called calling in a lot on hold from the phone, and I think I think we should let them on real quick. All right, let's let's right. let them on. Thanks, Mr. Nexus right. from Texas. Good. Sorry, have a Nexus. great rest of your day. Good right. luck with it. Let Thanks. history be I'll the see. judge, sir. Thank you. all. Okay. Bye. All right, caller, you are our last caller of the day. Are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, so who, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm Ivan. I'm calling from Switzerland. 
Oh, hello, I- Ivan from Switzerland. What's on your mind? Uh, well, what's on my mind is uh, two things, right? Well, maybe three. All right. Um, it's, it's concerning the, the fact that lots of people are wondering if they should learn X or Y language. Well, the first thing that I wanted to say is learn what you need. Okay, what 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 um, what meets your expectations? Depending on the project that you're going to do, this or that language might fit better, right? Yeah, good um, point. For example, sooner a caller asks if he if he had to do Java or Qt or whatever for UI. Well, if you know C plus plus, definitely go with Qt. Uh, it works on all the platforms, all the US, all the OSs. There's no reason to avoid it, right? Um, but if you know Java instead, then go with it. Right. You'll yeah. learn. Maybe it, maybe it will be a, a bit painful, but at, at least you will end with an application with something that you like and you have learned something at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we get yeah. this question a few times a month, and that's yeah. basically the answer, right? Whatever yeah. <laughs> gets the job done. Right, and, and if, you have a, if you have something you need to solve, it'll motivate you to learn what you need to learn to get it done. Exactly. All right, so you said you had a couple um, more. Yeah, but, well, the other thing is about, um, since you were speaking about gaming before, you know that Unity is a big thing at the moment. There you have yep. the Unity engine. Yeah, yeah, okay? sure. Uh, well, there's things that I like about it. There's things that I really did like about it. Have you been developing I've, on Unity? Uh, I've been doing some, so, some stuff here and there, but no, nothing, nothing that ended in a real project. Like, I tried it. I tried the free, li- the free license, but... Um, well, it doesn't really, it doesn't really meet my my needs because first, it is an interpreted language, it's a scripting language, so I'm not all for it. I'm more a C++ guy, so I like to be more bare to the middle mm. and know what's going on. Sure, I hate when things go magically wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they most of the time they don't go magically right. That right. doesn't happen, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it, true. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely. If you guys have heard about uh, Shiva 3D, also, it's done by Sunstrip. There is also another alternative that do um, the same thing as Unity. Basically, you have only one bundle that allows you to do games. Uh, none of them are really perfect, but um, I, I remember a few episodes ago uh, that Mr. Nick says that uh, all the Unity games look. Similar, and I was yes. going to ask if, if he met, if he already tried Face, F E I S T. F E I S T. I haven't actually heard of that. What platform is that on? Uh, if I'm not wrong, it should be Windows. Windows, Windows. Windows. I'm not familiar with this. No, is that, no, no, that you're talking about the thing in the house? No, no, <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a game that uh, that was built in. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, okay, it, so it, it looks interesting. I did a fast Google search. What is it? Okay, what is it? I did a I did a search for it. And I didn't find what I think I'm supposed to find. Well, there was a there was a concourse and the guys that built that game went basically, and uh, they I got, got a lot of pictures. Uh, I got nudie they, pictures they, when I searched for it, so I I must have searched oh, for the wrong no, thing. No, 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 that's not a good thing. <laughs> hmm. uh, Angela's gonna have a little chat with you later. I'll be back in a few minutes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. Yeah, so so that, there's your two. Anyway, it's what nice. I wanted to ask is uh, basically, uh, have you guys tried Unity? What do you think about it? Would you encourage uh, your listeners to use it? it or what? It's it's funny that you ask. Um, I I can't say much. I am 
being involved in things on a for a game company and I'm very aggressively being pushed to evaluate Unity again. Um, I've what, resisted. The new I've, monthly, uh, monthly fee that they introduced? Did the new subscription stuff or what? Well, part of it is because it's cheaper now, right? So it's not a not a huge capital cost. the The other issue is just that it it seems very, and I haven't touched it in probably a year, but very designer friendly, and that's who's pushing mm. me to kind of take a look at it again. I I still, you know, I'm I'm I haven't looked at it since I think Unity two something. So I wouldn't want to make a blanket recommendation or not a recommendation. I would say that last time. I used it. I wasn't given a choice. Yeah, that makes it a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I find from an end user's perspective that I'm certainly appreciative of how many more games are coming to Linux. Now, I know we've had some conversation on the show before where you said you felt like you can kind of tell a game is a Unity game. I don't know if I actually share that same opinion. I've played games that I was surprised to find out are Unity games. And, um... You know, I think for for a large portion of the market, they're, they're, it's a great tool. I wish um, it was a little more accessible in some regards, uh, but you know, the, I think their goal to publish you know rich experience games on multiple platforms is admirable, and uh, they certainly are making a lot of buzz these days, and they're getting more and more popular. Yeah, they are. I mean, right now the engine I'm working with is a uh, Cocos 2DX, and it's been fine. It's a C plus plus engine. Uh, for obviously 2D games, but not. I don't think it's going to be something we use again. Yeah, hmm, interesting. If you were going to go to Unity, was going to make 2D game or 3D game because Unity is not very famous for 2D. So that so that's the thing. We're primarily interested in 2D, and that's why I'm a little nervous about Unity. I would the uh, platform that I'm in quotes championing is Mono Game, right? Because it's just XNA. Oh, I should get you in touch with my friend Miguel. <laughs> and then there's a reason why I'm a little afraid of mono game that Chris mentions. I think right now, I mean, like Joel saying in the chat room, some of my favorite games are Unity games right now. Well, the problem is for 2D games, I think the end game in a few years is just going to be HTML5. Yeah, yeah, but don't, but I mean, I, I think Unity will help you get there. I mean, I think they're going to be the people, well, maybe not, maybe well, not. They're, they're going to push their plug-in. Unity is a 3D technology. Yeah. And you can do 2D games in it, but it's really not its right. Its area, yeah. Hmm. It's not there yet, and uh, yeah. I wish I wish more developers uh, use Unity because the simple for Linux games, simply because it attracts people to Linux. And they a little bit ago they sent them an email uh, with an interview asking if we were going to purchase um, uh, the the license if they had uh, a version of um, Unity Linux. I mean. Yeah. Be able to dev on Linux, which would be awesome, right? Because that's really, really, really what it is missing at the moment. It yeah. is really frustrating to have to get back to Windows or whatever other OS just to be able to code. This makes no sense, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's one of the other things I don't like about Cocos 2DX is it, it does have Linux support, but it's very bad. Yeah, it's incredibly unstable. All right, well, Ivan. Um, Thank you, thank you very much for answering my what question. What time is it where you're calling in from right now? Uh, it is uh, 7.05. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's boring. But a good time. It's after dinner, just like our other caller. All right. Well, thanks yeah, for calling exactly. in. Have a great rest of your evening. Yeah, thank you. All right. You too. Yeah, yeah. bye. Well, that's fun. And, and good points brought up for all. Uh, Mr. Dominic, you know, that does bring us to the end of this week's broadcast. I think that's a good, uh, that's a good cap right there. We'll talk about unity.
a topic, yeah, so. a topic that hasn't come up on the show for a little while. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's actually really timely because I have been resisting it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be curious to hear if you do end up embracing or at least accepting that work, how it goes. Well, that you. that decision won't be made till 2014. I oh, think. wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know if you had anything you wanted to mention. I had one thing to plug. Everybody be sure you go out and get the latest version of Vim. Yes, that's right, folks. Uh, version 7.4a is available for testing. And I want to give a special thanks to Cypher and our uh, Coder Radio subreddit for linking that to us. That way nobody missed the new Vim beta version 7.4. I actually have a book pick, if we can take a <laughs> yeah, second. let's do it. What is it? Uh, Showstopper by G. Pascal Zachary, or Zachary G. Pascal, if you want to read it the right way. Now, Showstopper, that sounds really familiar. It is really familiar. Uh, you've probably already read it. But for people who haven't, it's about the development of Windows NT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this is a really good book. It is really good. I just reread it, and it, I... I got it on Kindle for $7.60. It's so interesting, too, now, so many years removed. Like, the industry has changed so much. The dynamics and the relationships and the power structures are so different now. And it's funny, like, uh, so the leader of the project was really critical of the graphics team for using, quote, a a language that's far too high level called C++. (laughs) (laughs) How times have changed. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, you know what? We'll put a link to uh, Showstopper uh, in the show notes. And uh, if you grab that from our show notes, uh, you will be contributing to the Jupiter Broadcasting Network because we will have it tagged with our affiliate link. Also, probably just a good reminder, if uh, you click those links at the bottom of our website for Amazon or Newegg or eBay or Netflix or Audible, a portion of your shopping session will be contributed to the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. And those do, in fact... Help us cover our continuing production costs. So we appreciate your support by doing so. Mr. Dominic, where should people find you throughout the week? They should find me at DominicM.com and at Dumanuko on Twitter. In fact, you just had a recent blog post about the Colin episode. So, uh, and an uh, even more recent one about the Nexus 7 2.0. Oh, we didn't even get Maybe we'll get to talk about that next week. And I'll have my Chromecast by then, so I might share my thoughts on that as well. Very All right, everyone. Nice. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Coda Radio. Don't forget, you can join us live 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, over at jblive.tv and jblive.info. You can also email us, coderadio at jupiterbroadcasting.com or hit our subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.